podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a special bonus edition of the Forza Napoli Cultural Podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. I'm very excited to introduce today's guest. He is a journalist for one of my favorite websites, Calcio Napoli 24. Claudio Russo, welcome to Forza Napoli. Hi, Joe. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. So there is a lot I want to chat about. But before we even get to Napoli, the club, I want to talk about just being a journalist in Napoli. And first of all, let me ask you, how did you end up becoming a journalist? Is that something that you always knew you wanted to do? Well, Joe, I remember that uh, when I was uh, four or five uh, years old, uh, I remember that I I read a lot. Uh, I read a lot and... Uh, my dad uh, told me that uh, the other kids uh, were playing with uh, with a ball, with machines, with a car. And uh, he uh, bought me Gazzetta dello Sport, Corriere dello Sport, and I read a lot. So I enjoyed uh, a lot sports uh, when I was a, a kid. But uh, I didn't remember when I wanted to do a journalist because uh, I played uh, a lot of basketball. And uh, with my friends, uh, uh, we went to see Basket Napoli when uh, they were in Serie A. And uh, I remember that uh, every Monday I started to to chat uh, about basketball with uh, some websites, with uh, Telecapri Sport. But uh, I didn't remember when was the, the real moment that I chose to make uh, this work. Uh, I remember that when I was uh, 19, I started to chat with uh, with a journalist here in uh, Napoli, Silver Mele, and uh, I started to do things with him, not only for a website, but also for a TV, because uh, Silver was uh, working with Sport Italia, the Italian TV, here uh, in Naples, and uh, I helped him uh, with the camera, with the video, so I started to make it to the stadium i started to make it to castel volturno i remember the first time was a conference a press conference when um, napoli presented the shirts for a champions league with uh, inler and federico fernandez and i remember it was the first time that i met uh, aurelio de laurentis in person and uh, he, it was a dream it was a dream for me a dream that has become true because in, in these years uh, I went to Di Maro in preseason seven times, eight times. I went to Paris for Paris Saint Germain Napoli. I went to Leipzig for uh, the Europa League in uh, 2018 with uh, Maurizio Sarri. And I make it also to Kiev, Dynamo Kiev, uh, in uh, 2016. Uh, when Arkadiusz Milik uh, first game he scored two goals and then uh, I think that in 10 years uh, 
it was uh, not only a pleasure but also a luxury for me to do these things because it's not uh, it's not easy to be a journalist here in Napoli because there are a lot of websites a lot of uh, radios and uh, I can say to myself that is a uh, is something that uh, I think everyone would like to live and there are so many thoughts about it i can only say wow yeah that's that's a bit of a dream job right i mean obviously living in napoli i'm sure uh, you grew up watching the club now you mentioned that you've been to all these matches abroad obviously you go to probably all of the matches that are in napoli and and you attend the press conferences and and so on is there a player or a coach that uh, you have a fond memory of or a funny story or anything like that interviewing uh, in Napoli? Yeah, for sure. But not only in Napoli, because uh, in these years, uh, I can remember Rafa Benitez because uh, we made a strong bond with him, with Alessandro Marrazzo, my colleague, that uh, after his Napoli adventure, he went to Newcastle. In Great Britain, and two times we went to Newcastle to interview him in his uh, new adventure. We started to talk to chat about Napoli in um, Newcastle Sporting Center. Uh, it was a, a real dream for us because uh, we went two days. The first one uh, we interview him, and the second one we went to the stadium, to St James Park, to see. First of all, Newcastle Barnsley in championship, and then uh, next year Newcastle uh, Chelsea three nil uh, with Antonio Conte, and um, it was a it was curious because um, there were talks uh, about uh, Maurizio Sarri to go from Napoli to Chelsea, so it was um, it was weird to see a, a former coach like Rafa Benitez. And uh, a team that will become then the team of the actual, at the time, coach of Napoli. And I remember not only Rafa Benitez, but also Edinson Cavani. Uh, for just one thing, because uh, Silvermele made uh, the interviews, the flash interviews after home games. And then one time uh, he said to me, well, I will not do this. You will do. Wow. And I was... Uh, 21, 22, and I made it to the flash interviews. There were me and also Rai, Rai Campania. And uh, I don't remember how to say what kind of emotions uh, I felt through because uh, there were Edinson Cavani, me, the Napoli press officer, which uh, said to me, well, only one, uh, one thing to Cavani. And I remember that when I made uh, my, my job with Cavani, I feel kind of stressed. But when I saw this interview on the TV, whoa, uh, I remember it was a joy, not only for me, but also for my family that saw me do the, these things. Do you remember the question that you asked him? Uh, well, I remember it was a Napoli-Sampdoria, zero to zero. And Napoli didn't play the good I remember that I asked uh, Cavani uh, what was the the answer, the real answer that Napoli had to do 
uh, in, in the next games to win the, the next one uh, to make it uh, three points uh, for uh, mm-hmm. for the table, yeah. Okay, well, that's very cool. Obviously, Cavani's a, a club legend now, so that's a that's great. I, I can't imagine what that would be like at such a young age to <laughs> to speak to some a player like that. Obviously, the last few seasons have been pretty difficult for the club. It's now four managers in five seasons. I'm curious to know how you feel about that because I'm sure growing up in Napoli that you're a Napoli tifoso, so you know you don't want to see that as a fan. The, too many coaches makes it very difficult. The team has been struggling, but I imagine as a journalist and as a professional, that gives you lots of work, right? a lot, a lot to report on. Uh, it has been a, a hell of a ride with Ancelotti and Gattuso, also with Sarri because with with Maurizio Sarri, we went uh, me and and uh, my colleague Bruno Galvan, we went to Tuscany to interview his former teammates, his former presidents when he was uh, working in a bank in uh, in the 90s. Uh, but with Ancelotti and Gattuso, it was uh, funny. It was funny for us to, to report on, on Napoli because uh, every day was an adventure. It was an adventure because you... We discovered so many things uh, about Napoli, about Ammutinamento after uh, Napoli-Salzburg in Champions League. It was uh, funny for us. Okay, in Serie A, in Champions League, in Europa League, Napoli did not went uh, good, did not uh, perform it. But uh, I remember that uh, also Napoli, the Laurentiis, uh, wanted to sack Gattuso or Ancelotti and then also from the club there were some messages about it so we got also tips on it obviously with Covid it was not a real pleasure to be in Di Maro or Casa di Sangro for the precision stuff because obviously club closed themselves in the hotel so to be in a small city in a small town uh, to see not all uh, the training sessions wasn't uh, a good one but uh, I think that uh, with Benitez we had a strong bond with Sarri also with Sarri too with Ancelotti and uh, and Gattuso funny funny stories every day but with Spalletti is a, a good person that uh, in press conferences I went two times and two times I asked him uh, a question and uh, it was hard to me to write on my on my computer when uh, he was staring at me eye to eye contact is a kind of uh, I don't know is uh, hypnotic is hypnotic to see him because he saw eye to eye with me. And then I cannot do uh, another thing that to to see him uh, in the eye. He's a, he's a good he's a good guy, but I think that uh, it's only been a few months uh, to him uh, in um, in Napoli. So I, we had to wait. The results uh, perhaps are good. Yeah, I remember at the beginning of the season. He would ask even the journalists when he would, they would ask a question, "What's your name?" Yeah, right? like like he's trying to get to know them. And me too. Know. Yeah, yeah. 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 yes, yeah. me too. Yeah, 
It's funny, all of those coaches, I mean, Sari, Ancelotti, Gattuso, Spalletti, they're all very different personalities. You know, Spalletti is very eloquent the way he speaks, uh, very different. <laughs> he speaks almost poetically compared to some of the other coaches. Gattuso was was very open and honest. He didn't really sugarcoat anything. Maybe he spoke a little bit too openly, especially when things got difficult with all the injuries and Napoli starting to drop points. And then eventually De Laurentiis imposed a silencio stampa, a press silence. For someone like you, whose job is to report on Napoli, to report on the club, how did you feel about the silencio stampa? Uh, well, uh, bad things, surely. Bad thing. But uh, we remember that... Uh, De Laurentiis uh, chose uh, the Silencio Stampa because uh, Gattuso had to feel so much pressure about these times from uh, the press, but also from the fans. Because, uh, okay, uh, you cannot uh, do things uh, that are in contrast with the club, with the society, with your president. But uh, De Laurentiis chose to do the Silencio Stampa also to punish him. Because uh, Gattuso cannot explain uh, his versions of the things, uh, because uh, would have saying things uh, not good about De Laurentiis. I remember after Napoli Salzburg, after Amutinamento. Do you remember that Napoli chose to make a training session in San Paolo with fans on the stands? Well, De Laurentiis chose to do it. Uh, to make it a punishment to the players. Because if you remember videos about uh, fans that share uh, uh, not the good things about, uh, about the players that were on the pitch, and also with Silencio Stampa, De Laurentiis wanted to punish not only the players for the amutinamento thing, but also Gattuso for his uh, style of play, his results, uh, Maybe I think that De Laurentiis wanted to sack uh, Gattuso if uh, COVID uh, never happened. Because Gattuso was about to stay in Napoli for six months. De Laurentiis wanted the Juric from Verona. And uh, when COVID happened and Napoli won the, the Italian Cup, uh, De Laurentiis uh, chose to stay another year with Gattuso, but he was never satisfied with him. So the Silencio Stampa was a, was a thing uh, made to go versus Gattuso. In fact, uh, Gattuso never spoke uh, about his Napoli adventure. Yeah, and I think, you know, even back then in December, January of, of last season, we were already being linked to Spalletti and we now know that De Laurentiis and Spalletti had spoken even before he, you know, when he went to Russia because uh, they just couldn't find the right timing to make it work. But I guess, you know, Napoli started getting results in the second half of last season and with players getting back from injury and they uh, decided to stick with Gattuso. But it always felt like throughout the season that he was still going to leave. Even maybe even if Napoli beat Hellas Verona on the final day, that still might have been Gattuso's last uh, match for Napoli. Yeah, there was reports about if Napoli made it to the Champions League and Juventus not. There were reports about the link Gattuso, Jorge Mendes, that Gattuso could have been a name for Juventus. 
well for Napoli things were were not uh, the best I remember that game I felt that Napoli wasn't uh, good to make it to the Champions League I remember it was a, a strange game because there were that feeling that uh, Verona would have made a goal but to see it uh, with an error from LCD Usai and Napoli that went in panic. Well, it was a strange feeling for me, but it was uh, funny from a working point of view because uh, I remember, okay, the Laurentiis will sack Gattuso uh, in, uh, in a few minutes. So I had to stay ready to report on this. And it was a tweet from the Laurentiis uh, that um, uh, announced the, the sack of Gattuso. Well, I feel that Gattuso wasn't uh, the real coach of Napoli in the Laurentiis point of view. And I, as I said, um, he wanted to sack him uh, if COVID never happened. Yeah, he was really always supposed to be kind of a, a caretaker manager, like you said, six months and then move on. Okay, that will do for part one. In part two, we'll talk about the current campionato. Welcome to part two of the Fortsanopoli podcast. So let's talk about the current season. And there's been plenty to report on <laughs> right from the very beginning with the appointment of Luciano Spalletti. There was a lot of debate in the summer about whether he was the right person to lead Napoli. Those that wanted him liked that his teams almost always finish in the top four. And that's very important, especially financially for Napoli to play in the Champions League. Those who were against Spalletti were concerned about his history of conflict with players like Totti a Roma and Icardi at Inter. He silenced those critics pretty quickly with you know opening the season, 10 wins, 2 draws, no losses in the first 12 matches. Were you surprised to see Napoli have such a strong start to the season? Absolutely. Not only me. I think uh, every fan of Napoli was surprised because uh, here in, uh, in the city... Okay, there are a lot of conflicts between Tifosi and De Laurentiis. They don't like him. He doesn't like uh, the, the Tifosi. But I started to remember that there weren't uh, a lot of expectations because after Verona, there was a real, real drama here in Napoli because fans were angry at the players. And then uh, Spalletti made it from the first day in his press conference uh, and also in uh, in pre-season in Castel di Sangro, made it uh, clear what uh, were his objectives, his focus, uh, his mind about Napoli and the, his players. Because, uh, okay, you were talking about uh, Icardi and Totti, obviously news about uh, Insigne's contract uh, and uh, his conflict with Laurentiis was the real deal in Castel di Sangro. I think that he surprised everyone because uh, he made it clear his style of play. He wanted to make it offensive. Uh, and uh, with these players, with Fabian, with Zielinski, with Victor Simen, uh, Insigne, Politano and Lozano, obviously you cannot do a defensive style of play. I think that uh, he surprised us um, with these games when Napoli cannot have played uh, a good style of play with the good qualities. 
the so-called partite sporche. Napoli, in last years, never won these kind of games. In these first two months here in Napoli, Spalletti made it through. So I started to think about, wow, maybe something has really changed. But after uh, injuries and COVID, uh, okay, Napoli were not the best one in Serie A, but uh, to see the table uh, and Napoli um, close to Inter and Milan, I think that Spalletti has done a really, really solid work. And uh, I think they has managed the Insigne thing uh, in a good way. Then we'll see in, uh, in next month. Yeah, I think it's it's very encouraging to see the reserve players like Lobotka, Juan Jesus. Napoli still plays the same way, even when the reserve players are playing for the regular starters. There's an identity that that Spalletti has instilled at the club. You mentioned the injuries. It you know it started with Osimhen getting hurt against Inter. Then we lost Anguissa immediately after that match. Insigne, Koulibaly, Fabian, they all got hurt against Sassuolo. Then on top of that, we have had COVID going around the club. So the squad has been constantly changing. And, and so it's not too surprising that Napoli have dropped points and dropped a little bit in the table. And then Inter, on the other hand, have had relatively few injuries. And they're playing really well under Simone Inzaghi. And they've risen to the top of the table. Even after their draw to Atalanta on the weekend, they're four points clear of Napoli. And they still have a game to play against Bologna. Do you think Napoli can still challenge for the Scudetto or is the goal now to just focus on finishing in the top four and qualify for the Champions League? Well, if you are close uh, four points to the top of the table, you have to think about Scudetto. But uh, it's not the real uh, focus of Napoli. Spalletti made it clear after Bologna's win. He said, uh, well, we have to think about the top four. Because we signed with De Laurentiis to make a spot in the Champions League. Because it's fundamental not only for the next year, but also for the De Laurentiis project. Because if Napoli cannot reach another Champions League, then Napoli have to sell some players. Maybe Fabian, which is not renewed, is a deal that will last until next season. Meret also, Koulibaly, they have a contract uh, until uh, 2023. I think that uh, also the moves that Napoli will make it in, in, in the next months, not renewal of Insigne or Mertens or Ospina or Malqui, maybe Juan Jesus, but uh, he has a deal that uh, is costing uh, under 1 million of euros. Napoli has to make uh, a top four. Okay, maybe this year, this season... Inter is ahead of everyone. But I think that uh, with COVID, uh, we cannot be sure of anything. I didn't expect that Juventus were today so behind in the league. And I think that Napoli could think about Scudetto, but uh, the top four would have to be the main focus. Also for the fans, because if the fans... uh, think about Scudetto, maybe they can be um, too high mm-hmm. for the real value of Napoli. So I'm going to put you on the spot. What position do you think Napoli will finish in? Uh, at the moment, I think uh, 
second to fourth because I think Inter is the best one at the moment in Italy. They have a strong team. But I think that if Napoli can um, bring uh, the best of the seamen of the season uh, to play, you were saying uh, Lobotka, Rachmani, every player on the team, they can play until the, I hope, uh, until uh, the last uh, game, last match of the season. But I, after these years, I cannot expect uh, so many things about Napoli. I remember with Maurizio Sarri, Fiorentina, Napoli, it was clear that Napoli were about to lose. So I hope that Napoli could be luckier than the last years. Well, everything depends not only on for Napoli, but also on Inter, Milan, Atalanta, even Juventus. Yeah, I'm not going to go to that match. Even San Gennaro himself couldn't have... Uh... <laughs> change the result against Fiorentina I think but so we're recording this on Tuesday last week Napoli were eliminated from the Coppa Italia against Fiorentina were you disappointed with that result or do you think that that means that's just one less thing for the club to worry about and now Napoli can focus on Serie A and Europa League I think that Napoli have done the best versus Fiorentina because they were plagued by COVID and injuries and uh, the African players that uh, are not in the team. Maybe it wasn't a good performance after uh, the Dragowski red card because uh, with a player more than Fiorentina in 11 uh, versus 10, uh, Napoli could have done a better job. They never made a real chance uh, to score another goal. and. Maybe it would have been the best for Napoli if Petagna never scored in the extra time because to not play 30 minutes with nine guys, with Choffi, with the, the young one, and maybe to rest Dries Mertens for half an hour that he never could have done anything than defense. So, okay. 2-5 uh, wasn't a good result. I think that uh, it was uh, maybe the best for Napoli to exit from Copitalia with these conditions. I think that Copitalia, it's a trophy that you could win with five games because there are uh, quarterfinals, semifinals, a final, and uh, the first one uh, with Fiorentina. If uh, I can win a cup with uh, five uh, games... I have to do my best to play these games. Okay, maybe it's not a real fault, but uh, Napoli has done the best with uh, nine players on the pitch. Okay, that will do for part two. In part three, we'll talk about the winter mercato. Welcome to part three of the Forza Napoli podcast. Okay, let's talk about the Mercato a little bit. And I think there's only one place to start, and that's with Lorenzo Insigne. Napoli Tifosi are a little bit divided on his transfer to my home city of Toronto. How do you feel about Insigne signing for Toronto FC? Well, I think in Napoli, you can feel how he is divisive about the defense. Because there are... 
half of the fans that uh, defended his uh, choice because they are not happy with De Laurentiis. But there are also the other half that is uh, not angry about him, not for this choice to the, Toronto, for amount of uh, money that uh, he could have uh, never earned here in Napoli, maybe in also in, uh, in Europe. Maybe for the bad timing, because, uh, okay, Toronto wanted uh, to sign him now, to present him for uh, Toronto fans, but to made it official uh, two days before uh, Juventus-Napoli, which is the game uh, here in the city, uh, with uh, that video, with um, the sign we in the hotel, with the champagne, as not um, the best thing to do for Insigne. I think that uh, it was uh, funny to see Insigne sign the contract in the same hotel where De Laurentiis uh, last June said, uh, okay, we have to do the champions, uh, otherwise we have to sell everyone on the team. So to see uh, Insigne sign uh, this contract in that hotel, in De Laurentiis' hotel, uh, it was funny. But for the fans... Uh, yeah, he has divided uh, the city, but uh, I hope that fans uh, will share him uh, until the, the last day here in Napoli. Then when he will speak uh, about his departure, I think that uh, there will be uh, a lot of rapport on him and on De Laurentiis. So Lorenzo's brother, Roberto, was interviewed by Sky Sport after Benevento's 3-1 win over Monza last week, and they asked him about this transfer. And he said there's only one thing he has to say. It's not his fault. And, of course, Roberto was suggesting that it was De Laurentiis's fault. So do you think De Laurentiis could have renewed Insigne in the summer if he maybe offered him a slightly higher wage? No. No, because uh, De Laurentiis never liked that 1% Lorenzo Insigne. And it was the same for Lorenzo. I remember that uh, Napoli were in uh, Castel di Sangro for the preseason, and uh, Insigne Sargent went to Napoli's hotel. And when uh, he made it to the hotel, De Laurentiis uh, lived the hotel because he wasn't uh, very likable to chat with him, to talk with him about Insigne. So Pisacane chatted with, uh, with Giuntoli, with Cristiano Giuntoli, about other things. Uh, Napoli never made a statement uh, clear to renew Insigne's contract. The Laurentiis never said that. He said that uh, if Insigne wants, wants to leave, okay, it's his choice. He has to speak to the fans, because if he wants to stay here, I will spoke to him, I will offer him uh, a new contract, but uh, never said, I want that Insigne will remain here, he's the captain, okay. But he never said that. And also the idea of Napoli was uh, if we can make the Champions League at the end of the season, maybe in uh, March, April, May, we will offer another deal to Lorenzo Insigne. But I think that uh, with a big offer, with that big offer from Toronto, I think uh, Lorenzo has made the best choice for him because uh, he wanted to play for Napoli or for a team who could have never played against Napoli. So he was not uh, 
open to stay in Serie A. It was not open to stay in Europe unless for a big offer that never came, never arrived. And then to start a new life in Toronto, I think, is the best thing for him, not only from a footballistic point of view, but also for a new chapter, a new life for him, for his wife, for his children. I think that at the moment, Lorenzo Insigne is the best thing that could ever happen to MLS at the moment. Because never in these years MLS has been joined by the player like Insigne in his uh, in his time of his, of his career. Yeah, because maybe bigger names, okay, but he's in the in his prime after the Euros. So I think there are also a lot of pressure on him. But I can think that uh, with this MLS, uh, Insigne could be uh, the best thing uh, happen to MLS for his brother. Uh, words from Roberto. Uh, Roberto is um, not the same uh, character of Lorenzo. I think uh, that Roberto um, say that thing that uh, not only about the Laurentiis but also for other persons that were involved in uh, Insignia's deal. And I think that only with time we can make uh, some uh, discover about this deal we have to wait uh, i think some months we have to finish the season here then the, the talks about insignia and toronto will start and they will be we live for months until uh, lorenzo will play the first games with toronto then he, he will be remembered as napoli captain but also for amstic when he lived for china there are a few weeks uh, of talks about him, but it was only something that remained in the past. So you mentioned Insignia, you mentioned Hamsik. Do you think the same thing will happen with Mertens? Well, uh, Napoli has, has an option. Have an option to extend uh, for another year his deal. But uh, for uh, the actual wage, or for a million of euros, Napoli will never extend it because Mertens uh, is at the end of his career. He will be 35. And uh, I think that uh, if Napoli wants to renew this Mertens, maybe a 2 million of euros uh, offer could be good. But at the moment, uh, yeah, there is wants to say he will be father of maybe Ciro Mertens in a few months but I think that Laurentiis if he wants to make a new project I think he will uh, Mertens go but I hope that maybe he can think about it because uh, for a Napoli that will lose uh, Lorenzo Insigne to lose also there is Mertens uh, will be a, a strong bow old fans because they were seeing uh, Mertens Insigne in these uh, last years uh, and to not see them uh, in a few months uh, is not easy. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's two, two and a half million is is right around what he would get offered. And maybe, you know, at his age, he might be more likely to accept that offer than Insigne is still 30, 31 years old, uh, has a lot left in the tank. We signed 
Axel Twanzebe on a dry loan from Manchester United to replace Kostas Manolas. We've been linked to a number of players, but do you think Napoli will make any more transfers in January or are we done until the summer? Well, I, I think that Napoli will try to make uh, another sign in January, but uh, only if they can uh, sell uh, someone like uh, Kevin Malqui, which is on expiring deal. Because in Serie A, you can play 25 players. And uh, in, uh, in this list, you have to play four home ground players. And Napoli have only Insigne. So there are 22. Four players that have grown in, uh, in Italy. Meret, Lorenzo, Zielinski and Politano. And the other 17, uh, free. Over 22. Napoli, at the moment have to sell someone because they have uh, 17 players. If they can sell Malqui, maybe they will try to make a loan for uh, Ajax uh, Nicolas Tagliafico, which is uh, keen to leave Ajax. But Ajax wants money. Nobody wants only a loan as a Fortuanzebe. For the future, uh, obviously, Fosi Gulamo will leave at the end of the season and Napoli likes uh, Fabiano Parisi from Empoli. is uh, one name to watch. But I think that uh, in the summer, we will see a strong movements from Napoli because they will leave uh, a few players, Mertens, Ospina, Gulam, maybe someone uh, we cannot uh, talk uh, about it um, at the moment. But uh, in January, if Malqui will leave, it's not easy. They will try to make another move for a fullback on the left because Fosigulam, after four years after his injuries, is a player you could rely not uh, at 100%. Yeah, I know there have been also talks about if we had to sign a player, do we terminate Gulam's contract? But I don't think the club will want to pay Gulam and then pay another player if they bring him in and then. One other player that we've been linked to that's probably someone that's more of a, a summer transfer potentially to replace Insigne is Julian Alvarez from uh, River Plate. And then we've seen Zerbin could come back, but I think he would qualify on that list of homegrown players. So he wouldn't count towards the 17, I believe. Two final questions before I let you go. These are from our Patreon Dieter. He wants to know who you think has been Napoli's best player so far this season and who you think has been the biggest disappointment this season. Uh, well, I think that the best player at the moment is, uh, wow, maybe I would have seen Piotr Zielinski, but I go with Amir Akmani because uh, uh, when he played the first time versus Udinese last year, he went through uh, an incubo, a real incubo, the real bad game. And he was a substitute from uh, Gattuso at the, the 45 minutes. I go with Rachmani because uh, I re- kind of remember of Raul Albiol. Because uh, with Khalidou Koulibaly, with the style of play, with his uh, physics, with his athletic, you have to pair him with uh, a player maybe more mental, more uh, also playmaker, because Rachmani have uh, the talent to play the ball when uh, maybe Lokbotka or uh, Demme are pressed by the counterpart and uh, Rachmani the best one at the moment, but there are also other players. Uh, the worst one, uh, 
I go with the Costas Manolas because uh, I think he never has done anything to justify the 36 uh, million of euros uh, to Roma. And uh, I was disilluded with him because uh, I thought that uh, Manolas and Kulibali, wow, you can defend with two players and the other nine can go from the other part uh, of the pitch. But uh, I think that uh, Costas Manolas, the way his uh, exit from Napoli to being stopped at the airport with some uh, money to leave when the transfer market wasn't opened, it was uh, like a failure for him, for his Napoli adventure. I hoped that uh, could have been a, a great couple, he and uh, Koulibaly, but at the moment uh, I cannot see a, a real negative player in this season as uh, for Costas Manlas. Good for Napoli that Amir Akmani has made an, a good uh, amount of games. Also one Jesus that uh, I never saw him like a, a real player because he was the fourth after the other three. But uh, Juan Jesus and Rachmani at the moment has been a real good couple and it's surprising not only for us, but also for all the fans. Yeah, I agree with both of those choices. I think if we were looking earlier in the season, we might say maybe Osiman or Angisa, but they both got hurt, so they haven't played as much. And now Angisa is at the Africa Cup of Nations and Manolas, yeah, I mean, it seemed like, you know, there were rumors about Olympiacos at the end of the summer mercato, and then it was almost like it was just too late, and it seemed like he had already decided he was going to leave the club. Claudio, that's all we have time for today, but I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Thank you to you for having me on your podcast. It was a real pleasure, and I hope to chat with you soon again in the next month. Absolutely. You can find Claudio on Twitter at Claudio Rus, so your name just without the O. And you can find all of his work at calcionapoli24.it or for the English speakers, calcionapoli24.it. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5 and you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pod. I'll be back soon to review our latest Feminile match and to preview the match on Sunday against Lernitana. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre. Podcast Network.